Welcome to the Good News with Angie Austin. Now, with the good news, here's Angie. Hey there, Angie Austin and Jim Stovall with the good news. Hey, Jim. It is great to be with you, as always. You as well. We're uh, talking about your winner's wisdom column, and this week it's the price of tuition. But I thought we'd start with, you know, Michael Pelka and I have done radio for like a decade, I think now. And not quite, maybe, but we did a show together for years and we'd never met in person. And we just met in person today, as you know. So we had to send you a picture right away because Mike met you through me and we both talk to you every week now. Yeah. And, you know, it's amazing because in person, I've never met either one of you. Although, as a blind guy myself, it's not a lot different, you know, but it's... uh, (laughs) You know, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. But, uh, yeah, I think it's so cool you guys got together and uh, sent me the photo. And it's it's actual evidence that there is really a Michael Pelka. Yes. So that's good to know. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny because he he was exactly like I thought. I mean, I didn't – he's exactly like I thought he'd be. And, um, you know, speaking with, with him, we did a four-hour show um, every weekday, and I've seen a lot of his posts on social media, and he's always golfing, and I knew exactly what he'd look like, but uh, he thought he'd have a very short period of time, because he said um, that Denver airport's too big, and that he had to, like, he's like, I'm getting all my steps in, I'm taking tra- you know, planes, trains, and automobiles, he's like, I'm barely going to have time to talk to you, so he walked by the table, and he said, nice to meet you, and then kept walking out, like he had to leave that quickly, and I'm like... It's classic, Mike. Yeah, that's Mike, and it is. And, uh, you know, and he actually emailed me after the meeting with you and told me he got to meet you. But unfortunately, he was delayed. So, um, you know, his show's backing up uh, from Tuesday to Wednesday this week. So it's, uh, yeah, it's not it's not as easy getting around as you as it needs to be. And that airport is, uh, is uh, it would have been nice if they'd have built it in Denver. But, uh, yeah, it takes a long time to get out there. I mean, the first time I drove there, I was like, wow. It was like they put it, almost, it feels like it's almost in another state, but it's way out on the plains. It feels like you're driving into the eastern plains. So, but, you know, they've started bringing Denver out to the airport. You know, they've continued yeah. to build out towards it. So they're actually starting to build neighborhoods not that far from the airport, even though it used to be in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and I will always be grateful for that. I one, I owe one of my movies to that. I was staying at the Brown Palace there in, in Denver, and there was a movie producer there we'd met, and we just had not been able to come to terms on the deal. And he said, well, i got to go to the airport. And I said, well, we have a car. We're, we're going to fly out a little later. Uh, we'll take you. Well, because it's an hour, by the time we got through the city traffic and got out there, we were able to put together the whole movie deal, all the points, everything, and... Uh, you know, if the traffic had been any worse, we could have written the script right there in the car. Oh, that's and it hilarious. Just, so I will never complain about that airport. Uh, you, you know, with, um, you know, driving out there for Mike, I was, I don't know how it worked out, but I was over two hours early. So I'm like, do I go home? And I'm like, no, it's too far because it's so far out there. But um, he told me that he'd read your uh the book that you made into your first movie, The Ultimate Gift, because he's trying to read 50 books this year. And I'm like, oh, Jim reads a book a day. And of course, he knew that already. And uh, I said, well, how how was The Ultimate Gift? He goes, well, they made a movie out of it. I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm aware. And he says, it's great. It's great. They made a, it was his first like big movie. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Remember, I introduced you to Jim, so I know all this. So anyway, uh, he really enjoyed your book. He's trying to read, I think, one of your books a month. Well, and that that's great. I just uh, Mike is 
the the two of you together was was just absolutely fascinating the yin and yang of uh, of human existence it was quite an experience talking to both of you and uh, and it's it's ironic because uh, you know i talked to you about my column and then i talked to him about my column and it's a completely different conversation it is absolutely different and it for me it's like uh you know as a blind person if i go somewhere i experience much of it through them and there are some people you know you want to take to the party uh, you, the the fair the parade the circus that's you there's some people you want to take to the lecture you know the 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 museum whatever that's Mike. Yeah, you know? he, he's and, so sharp. Yeah, he is. But uh, but you are, you know, for you, everything's a day at the beach. Everything's great, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and, and Mike, you know, he... You know, if he finds the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, he's analyzing, why didn't we get two of these, you know? That's... Right, right. He's going to question the pot of gold and make sure it's legit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and find out whether or not it's a Republican. Oh, he had, you'll have to ask him, too, when you get your private time with him. He has three ideas of who he believes Donald Trump will choose as his VP candidate. So ask him about that next time you talk to him. It's pretty interesting. All right. And we'll see if he's right, right? All right. Well, I've got two kids that are looking at colleges right now. So let's talk about uh, your column, The Price of Tuition. Well, you know, as you know, through the Stovall Center for Entrepreneurship at the university, I interact with a lot of kids. And we have students from over 100 nations right now on campus. And it's really rather amazing. And tuition is unbelievably expensive, Mm -hmm. particularly from some of these people that come from third world countries. I mean, going to college in America is, is quite a thing. But I always tell them, please remember, the price of tuition is the same whether you learn the lesson or you don't. And, you know, we all know about tuition and going to school and learning things in school. But in life, it's the same way. You know, life is always teaching us lessons. And failure is the tuition we pay for not learning. Hmm. And you keep learning until you get it. So you keep failing until you get the lesson. And uh, the the great philosopher Billy Joel once said, I am the entertainer. I had to pay my price. The things I did not learn at first, I learned by doing twice. And if you don't want to learn from Billy Joel, I get it. Churchill said, those who do not learn from history are destined to repeat it. You either learn from history or you get to do it over again. So I always tell people, you know, Every time there's a problem, a challenge, or whatever, that's a lesson. And you can learn it and not repeat it yourself, and you can help other people not repeat that. And, and then the, the, the converse is true. You can learn from other people's mistakes, and you don't have to burn your hand on the stove if you just watch somebody else do it. You can say, you know, I believe I'll just bypass that lesson and uh, check that one off and move on. I love that. And, you know, to see every failure, every trip, every stumble as a lesson and learning experiences, I think something that's becoming more trendy. It seems like for many years, many of us thought that failures were, you know, um, possibly a reason to quit. And now it just seems like part of the journey. Yeah, I mean, failure is fertilizer for the future. And every time something happens bad, you know, the whole world's praying for that great idea, Angie. The only thing you got to do to have a great idea is go through your daily routine, wait for something bad to happen, ask yourself, how could I have avoided that? And the answer is a great idea. And the only thing you got to do to turn that great idea into a great business is ask, how can I help other people 
avoid that. And the world will give you fame and fortune and everything you ever wanted if you'll just help them solve their problems. And as in most things, uh, it ain't about you and it ain't about me. It's about them. And uh, solve their problems and they'll give you anything you want. And uh, my late great mentor, Zig Ziglar, always said, you can have everything you want out of life if you'll help enough other people get what they want out of life. The uh, I like that. Uh, you know, you, you use a lot of quotes. In fact, you've got a book, another book coming out about famous quotes and you know speeches. And you talk about Winston Churchill, um, and you know, talking about learning from history. Uh, those who do not learn from history are destined to repeat it. And I feel like many of us. Uh, do that. We just keep doing things the same old way and expect a different outcome. And we just get, get stuck in a rut, like our brains wired a certain way. And we just thought, well, we'll try it again this way. We'll try it again this way. And so you talk about in the article when you're raising your kids or teaching students or whatever, um, that you shouldn't uh, allow a mistake to be made without a change. You shouldn't allow a mistake to be made without a corresponding change. So stop doing it the same way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he, I, mean, I don't quote him often, but Clinton said, uh, uh, never let a good crisis go to waste. And that's what he meant. I mean, hey, all this garbage, there's got to be a lesson in here somewhere. And uh, because if we keep doing the same thing we've been doing, we're going to keep getting the same thing we always got. So when you or your kids or your students or anybody makes a mistake, the first thing, what did you learn and what are you going to do different next time? Otherwise, we're going to be sitting right here at the scene of another accident having this same conversation. Now, um, when you talk about the Stovall Center for Entrepreneurship, um, I know you made a big donation and that was a, you know, a goal of yours from, you know, a young age that you wanted to make a big donation. Your name, you know, is a part of the, uh, you know, building, etc. Now, What's your responsibility in terms of teaching these kids? Are you teaching them? Are you mentoring them? Like, how does that work? And is it just volunteer? Is it because your name's uh, you know associated with the program? How does that, that all work? Well, I'm very glad to say we have uh, professors and uh, teachers and wonderful people there who work with the university. I do have an office there, and I, I, I lecture some of the classes, and I, I teach and mentor the kids. Uh, but, uh, I mean, you have to have, uh, you know, academic standards to be an accredited university. So thankfully we have people that are really, really good at that. And I, I try to stay out of their way. And, but, uh, I am excited to get to work with these young people who, you know, it's amazing. Uh, they haven't yet figured out what's impossible. And so they, they end up doing some things I would not have even thought feasible. And I watched them do that. And uh, they just didn't know you can't do that. And that's an amazing uh, thing to observe. And, you know, the energy they have and the excitement. And, and then they, they're growing up in a different world. Uh, you know, I'm working with people that, you know, were born after 9-11. I mean, they, it, it's a completely different environment. And, uh, you know, they never have known a world without cell phones and digital media and total connectivity around the world. And, uh, you know, that's been a big part of their lives. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I love that, you know, you defer to the, you know, professors, but I'm sure that the kids also really want to pick your brain about, you know, what you've learned. And I know you have a big contest every year, too, with the students, not you per se, but just in general. Can you tell us about that? 
Yeah, it's called the launch competition. We do it every year. We this is our we just finished our fifth one, and uh, you know, think Shark Tank, but it it lasts a whole year, and kids actually start real businesses, and then we bring in uh, venture capitalists, we bring in investors and different people, and and then we have a panel of expert judges that uh, we bring in, and uh, the kids put on you know, a, a real business pitch for this new venture they've started. And uh, and it's not like playing Monopoly. These are real companies these kids have started. So truly amazing. And, uh, you know, to see what they can do and, uh, you know, really, really begin to change the world. And I always remind them, you know, education, particularly at this level, this is not something, you know, we're going to learn today and maybe someday in the by and by we're going to do something. Three of the five largest businesses on planet Earth started in somebody's dorm room. Three of the five largest wow. businesses. Wow, that so, is crazy. I mean, let's don't wait around. I mean, you know, look at where you know Bill Gates came from, and look at where Steve Jobs came from, and look at what these people were doing. These aren't people that waited until the, you know, all the lights were were green before they left the house. These are people that left the cave, went out and killed something, and brought it home, and. Uh, it's time for you to go do something. I love it. One of uh, our friend Mike was uh, saying, "Why don't you get your kid uh, to go on Shark Tank? Wouldn't that be cool?" And I thought, "Wow, that would be cool since he has had his business since he mm-hmm. was, you know, a kid." All right, jimstovall.com, jimstovall.com. We'll talk to you next week, friend. Thank you. I look forward to it. Thanks, Angie. Estes Park is locked in to the mighty 670 KLT. Arc Thrift needs your small furniture and electronics donations now. You can donate that end table or folding chair you've been meaning to find a new home for. Smaller sized furniture that can fit in your trunk and home goods like blenders and air fryers are items that Arc badly needs right now. They make it easy by unloading your car and your donations help people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. The primary mission of Arc Thrift. ARC has high demand for small electronics like speakers, soundbars, Bluetooth speakers, and turntables. And once you donate, you can shop in the stores for your own treasured finds. Each ARC thrift location has over 5,000 new items every day. So there is always something new and exciting. Every ARC thrift store keeps their shelves fresh with new merchandise, so each new purchase will be special to you. ARC's donation centers are open from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Saturday. Sunday donation hours are available as well. To find the nearest ARC Thrift Donation Center, go to arcthrift.com slash donations. Angie Austin here with the good news along with Grace Fox. Grace has written several books and we've been uh, talking about getting over your fear, but today we're focusing on joy. Is that right, Grace? That's right. Yeah, let's switch it up a little bit today. And the book Choosing Joy on the Journey. Yeah, Fresh Hope for Today, Devotions for Joy on the Journey. Because we're all on a journey, and sometimes that journey takes unexpected turns. 
and puts us on what we think is a detour, and that's not always easy, is it? But yeah, they they joy talk a, a choice. Yes, I was going to say that they talk about how joy is a choice. I mean, that's biblical. Um, we hear a lot about you know uh, how God wants us to feel that joy, to choose that joy, and so how do we do it when we're on the journey and it's bumpy? Yeah, and so a lot of that has to do with where we let our thoughts camp, and if we if we think this is a ride that I wasn't anticipating and I resent being on this one. Uh, we're not going to go uh, very far in the joy department, but we have to be able to look at our circumstances through a different frame or a different lens, if you would. And one of those things I think is to understand that in the darkness, there are treasures, treasures hidden in the darkness. And so when we're in that journey, we go through a dark space. You know, we often think there's no light at the end of the tunnel. I can't see my way out. But, but in that space, what is it that's hidden there that, that is a treasure? I think if we start looking at our dark places along our journey with that perspective, everything changes. Yeah, and I think sometimes we have to focus outside of ourselves in order to do that rather than focusing on our own situation, you know, whether it be helping others or with me, you know, focusing on my kids and when not, what's going on with them and trying not to uh, ruin their day. I remember once some difficult yeah. situation on a weekend and I was telling the kids um, that the true sign of a leader is to turn turn it around, like when they're going to like ruin a day over some disappointment or they didn't get the ice cream they wanted or their balloon popped in the back seat. I mean, they're obviously older now, but I said, you know, the true sign of a leader is the ability to turn it around. And then I showed them how to do it when their dad was just real snappy about something and I could have let it like kind of ruin our weekend away at some great lake up in the mountains in Colorado. But I said, watch kids, mom's going to turn it around. And then somehow I, you know, changed the conversation or the situation to not focus on that argument or whatever it was and to choose to have a great weekend for everyone else which meant not focusing on me and my selfish desire to well I'm going to show him that's really true good point it is focusing on other people and realizing that we're not the only ones with needs that we perceive are the greatest right it's our perception yeah you know when when uh, we lived on Vancouver Island there were some caves that we went to see my husband and I and our daughter and I I, I would not consider myself a super brave person when it comes to descending down into a cave, into a very small space. Yeah. I think I might have a, a little a tendency towards claustrophobia, but, uh, but I did it with them. And I was very glad later that I did, even though it wasn't comfortable. And that's like on our journey. We had up in these uncomfortable places. Um, but... Wow, once we got down inside, we weren't on our own, thank goodness. We had a, a tour guide that was leading us, and he knew where to go, and he knew how to maneuver the narrow spaces, um, and he coached us through it. But when we got down to this one place way down, it was damp, you know, the rocks were wet and all, but there were, like, crystals. He turned this little bit of a headlamp on, and we saw sparkles all over the walls on the inside of this cave, absolutely beautiful beautiful i remember thinking i am so thankful that i worked up the courage to do this because i would have missed it otherwise mm-hmm. and as we think about those dark places of not only can we choose joy by getting our our sights off ourselves but but setting our sights on those 
places where we might um, experience the goodness of God in an unexpected way or somebody else's kindness in an unexpected way. And unless we were in that dark place, we wouldn't we wouldn't have that experience. Yeah, I think uh, so many times uh, when the focus is on the negative, the joy is lost because you never have the opportunity to see it because your eyesight is so on the negative aspect of something. And I was mm-hmm. telling my mom mm-hmm. once, because I'm a lot more positive than my mom, I like to think, or my kids say so at least, that um, that I told my mom once, I said, you know, always focusing on the negative, I actually think it's a really selfish mindset because you think you're being wronged or you're the victim or something happened to your life and poor you, and really you're the one that's being hurt or harmed or neglected or overlooked. But really, you're doing that to others. You're doing that to the grandkids because you're being selfish, staying in your, I'll just be blunt, your victim world you know, and feeling sorry for yourself and you're robbing um, not only yourself of joy, but me and the kids and my husband, the family you live with, because you're so bound and determined to have that mindset. And it was the first time I ever saw it as a really selfish point of view to live your life like that. I'd always kind of like, oh, my poor mom, she's had a bad life, you know, poor her, you know, that's just the way she is. And I thought, it was the first time I ever saw it as being selfish to rob others around you of joy as well because you're so bound and determined to stay in your unforgiveness or your kind of little mud puddle, you know? I mean, I know it's really blunt, yeah. but that's the way, I mean, you guys, uh, my mom has lived with me off and on for probably 30 years, but most of 30 years and with my pretty much my entire married life. And so she has the ability, um, if we let the, her, to have a profound impact on our family, but having recognized that she wanted to stay in this little mud puddle, we've kind of used it as a way to not ourselves end up in the mud puddle with with her. And that's a choice you make too. So yeah, when we have other people in our lives that are putting their negativity onto us, that can be pretty toxic and that will have a negative effect on us if we let it. Right. But I think you brought up a really good point that how we respond to those around us who are in that negative space, is a choice too. Yeah, we can either let it take us down or we can choose to not go with them. They, they might be on a journey of their own, but we don't have to go with them on that journey. Okay, so we're talking a lot about choice. And, you know, for me, you know, since my mom needs my help, I, I've had to try, I've tried to make that choice, you know, or I'll put a limit, you know, like, okay, you can complain about the kids just, um, you know, just for a minute, and then we're going to move on. Like, I, this isn't something I want to talk mm. about, like all afternoon or all morning or whatever, like whatever your complaint is, I'll see if I can take care of it, make them bring their laundry up or whatever it may be. But how, how do we, um, some of the steps you use to choose joy, obviously, it's what we want to focus on and and I believe yeah. it's selfish to focus on to, to want to focus on you know the negative and the and not focus on you know finding a way to choose joy so what else do we do I think expressing gratitude is the oh, biggest yeah. thing so if we want to talk about choosing joy then we need to take that intentional action of expressing gratitude and even even in that place where we don't feel thankful at all because it's a really lousy situation humanly speaking still we can choose to express gratitude and that that initiates a like a chemical reaction in our body where serotonin and dopamine are released and uh, so even if we don't feel grateful in the middle of that hard place there will be that reaction science and the bible agree on this 
That's why God says, be thankful in all things. Always give thanks because he knows it's good for us. And there's this positive response in our body. And so, so in a place where somebody else is maybe putting their negativity onto us or wishing they could, you know, because they're, they're in their little mud puddle. They wish that we were in there with them. We can choose not to do that by saying, I am, I'm just so thankful that the sun is shining today, or I'm so thankful that we, uh, any problems we have are often, often comparatively speaking, first world problems. Mm-hmm. So the things that are keeping us in a little mud puddle might be nothing compared to what other people in other countries are facing. And, you know, thankful that we have two good legs that can move or thankful that we've got food in the fridge and we don't have to worry about where it's coming from for the next meal. All of those things that we take for granted, that's where we can start with giving thanks and it will change our perspective and help us to to be joyful on the inside. So um, in terms of, you know, that gratitude, do you have, um, you know, like a normal practice or, you know, I have a friend, I think I've told you about him, Jim Stovall, and he does his golden list every day and he does like, you know, the 10 things he's thankful for. And when my kids were younger, I narrowed it down to five, I think. And uh, interestingly enough, I don't know if I've told you this, but I used to have them do it in the car. My mom was driving them to school. Um, I would say when grandma starts getting angry, ask her to do, um, you know, your your golden list with her and go over the things you're thankful for, because that almost immediately changes her mood. So do you have a practice like he does it every day? I'm not good with keeping, I don't know, like routines. I'm not a very good routine person. Do you have a gratitude routine or do you just uh, pull, you know, pull that up when you're feeling like you need it? Uh, A couple of things I've done. One is When I've gone through a hard place, I have often begun my day with a thought, this is the day that you have made, Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in it because whatever you bring, I know that you're here with me. And I will say that before I get out of bed. So before I put my feet on the floor, I set my heart in that place, and that helps a lot. And another thing that I've done is keep a gratitude journal. And so... In the morning, I can sit down when I do a quiet time and write in my journal at least three things that I'm thankful for. And that that sets my day right to do that in the evening sometimes as well. Just saying, what am I thankful for today? What happened today that I can be grateful for? And then write those down in the evening. But um, at least three things a day. And that helps me be mindful and of all the things for which I can uh, count my blessings, even even when the journey's tough, I can count my blessings. I love that. I mean, that's that's the routine. So you've got your your gratitude journal, and you do that. You know, I think to myself, the best place for me to do a lot of these things is right here in my studio. Because I'm sitting here in between interviews and I'm taking notes during interviews. And so why not just put, you know, a little journal down here to make it a habit since my habit is to do interviews every morning during the week that I might as well, you know, put it down here. I've just never been a good person to keep a routine. But, you know, to me, that kind of is maybe laziness, too. I mean, you can set I always tell my kids for important things. We set alarms or I do on my phone. So I have alarms for every one of their practices and their doctor's appointments, 
not only is it in a calendar, but like you may have just heard, my alarm just went off because, you know, I talk to Jim Stovall at a certain time every week. So that always goes off. So maybe I need to set myself as a priority and set an alarm for some of the things I need to do for myself, not just for everyone else. That's a great idea to be able to establish a habit to set an alarm. You might set it for 8.30 at night or 9 o'clock at night and say, okay, that's my, that's my alarm just to write down three things for, for which I'm grateful, just to get into that habit. Yeah. Another and if, thing I do when I, yeah. Go ahead. No, you go, go ahead. ahead. We only have like a minute left. Oh, okay. I was going to say one other thing I do to help be mindful of choosing joy is if I feel myself going into a negative space, I will take a walk. I will get outside, take a walk, Ooh. enjoy the fresh air, but I will play praise and worship music as I go. And that helps to put me back into that place of choosing joy. Oh, I like that. I think that's really effective. Grace, give us your website. Gracefox.com. Excellent. It's just such a pleasure having you on the show every week. Fresh hope for today. Devotions for joy on the journey. Grace Fox. Thanks, Grace. You bet. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin on AM 670 KLTT.